Welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. I'm Robin Ayoub, your host. Join me for captivating conversations with industry leaders exploring localization, translation, and global communication. Ignite your curiosity as we expand your horizons through these conversations. So let's dive in together into the Localization Fireside Chat. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat podcast and YouTube channel. This channel is dedicated to advancing the language industry and technology as we move forward in our conversation. This morning conversation is pretty unique and to me, and it's special for me because I'm joined by absolutely unique and individuals who contributed heavily to the language industry in general and specifically in Canada in moving the conversation forward. The CEOs of the Translation Bureau, prior CEOs and current CEOs are joining me today in the conversation regarding language industry and, and we'll dive into the, the conversation a little in, in, the, in the podcast and the broadcast here this morning. Allow me to take a second to introduce, and then there'll be an opportunity for each individual to introduce themselves in a more appropriate way, but just to make sure that I announce you. I'm joined this morning by Donna Ashimov, who was the CEO for the Translation Bureau from 2011 to 2016, and uh, Monsieur Stéphane Derry, uh, who was the CEO from 2017 to 2019, and Madame Lucie Seguin from 2019 to 2022, and the current CEO and uh, my friend Dominique Laporte, who is joining us as well this morning. As you can see, we have an absolutely magnificent panel this morning. I can't wait to dive into the conversation together. Before we get there, just a few housekeeping items. This podcast or this broadcast is being broadcasted live on LinkedIn Live. You can tune in to LinkedIn Live, the Localization Fireside channel, to see the conversation or to participate in the conversation. Also, is being broadcasted live on YouTube as well, on the Localization Fireside chat channel as well. The conversation this morning mainly will take place in English, but if somebody wants to express a point of view or wants to comment in something in French, please feel free to do that. Absolutely, I understand French, and our audience is hopefully some of them understand French. Obviously, this morning, this morning podcast is popular. According to the registration, we have about 225 registered for it. So we have a various audience from Canada and abroad listening to this conversation and hopefully participating in it. Without any further ado, I would like the panelists and uh, we'll dive into the first conversation. And we'll start with, the, uh, with, with Donna first and then we'll go by you know, the, uh, the tenor years. So Donna, Stefan, Lucy, and we'll go to Dominique. The first question on people's minds, and you all work for the federal government. Maybe a little bit of description first on, on what drove you to take a, a job or to take on a, a responsibility of, as a CEO of the Federal Transition Bureau. You're a federal employee, you have other position and there may be some other position waiting for you. What intrigued you? What, you know, the idea that says, you know what, I like this and I'm excited about it. I'm gonna jump into this, this, this position. And if you don't mind, uh, we'll start with Donna. How did you, uh, and, and it's just, again, it's a coffee conversation. So. Uh, feel free to be uh, to be as open and as honest as you can. 
Bonjour, Robin. Bonjour tout le monde. Um, bienvenue à tous mes homologues, uh, mes collègues. Uh, great, great question. So my journey started um, when I was running the public access program. So this is back in 1999 when we were connecting Canadians. And we were connecting by uh, making sure we had internet, broadband, we were connecting schools, we were connecting libraries, we were connecting rural and remote communities. Immediately, immediately, our values fell on language. We refused to be um, anything but completely bilingual, offering quality language. And then the more we dove into serving Canadians, the more we realized that it was incredibly important to have accurate quality information in both official languages. And that's where I first was introduced to the Translation Bureau and the interpretation services in many, many wonderful ways. And I just kept thinking how incredibly powerful for a country like Canada, not only to have the commitment of being connected, but really understanding that connection happens through languages. And we started to experiment in terms of multilingual service. In some instances, serving Canadians sometimes has to happen in another language in order to get to what we need to do in our both official languages. So, so that was my journey. And it evolved into working with Service Canada, Again, that's that single window of information for Canadians. And that was in person, on the net and on the phone. And again, the Translation Bureau formed the underpinning and, and really the foundation for how we delivered services to Canadians. And so fast forward, when I was given the opportunity to return back to, at the time, Public Works Government Services and the opportunity to join as the head of the Translation Bureau, well, it was a full circle in my career. And uh, it is the underpinning of how we serve Canadians in this country. So I well, will excellent. end at that. Wonderful journey. I'm sure there are other topics that we're going to cover throughout the conversation. Before I move on to Stefan to give us his perspective on how, how, how his journey started, I want to mention that this podcast as well, I missed mentioning this earlier, but I, for the audience and for the, for the individuals who are using, who are watching this, this podcast, this specific one today is being sponsored by the Canadian Language Industry Association. And throughout our time working together as a private sector industry, representing the language industry in Canada, has been a strong partnership with the Translation Bureau that's been harnessed and been fine-tuned over the years. And we capitalize on this uh, partnership always working together with the Bureau. For those who are not familiar with the Canadian Language Industry Association, some of our audience aren't, please uh, look us up. We're looking for volunteers. We're looking for contributors who are willing to take on responsibilities and contribute to the language dialogues in Canada and abroad. Sorry, Stefan, uh, the floor is yours. How did it all start for you? Thank you, Robin. And quite different than uh, Donna. And we all, we're all from different walks of life. I, I always been interested. I'm a Francophone born in Quebec in a little village of St. Sid. So I've always been interested in official languages in my entire career. I've been the champion of official languages and multiple job and multiple department because I really believe in the Official Languages Act. I really believe that we should, we have to give an opportunity to all Canadians to be, to listen, to read, and to understand in their official languages, their choice. 
But I have to say that nothing in my career was destined, destined me to being the CEO of the Translation Bureau. Most of my career, I've been developing vision, strategy, creating partnership in the world of real property, acquisition, and corporate services. So nothing really would prepare me or maybe prepare me, these things prepare me for that. But I, at the time in 2017, when I looked at the the, the morale, the people at the Translation Bureau, I really feel I could, made a, I could make a contribution. I really feel I could bring something to the organization. And when they launched this public uh, process to find a new CEO, I put my name in. And first they, they rejected my application, but finally they called me after. And I had the interview and they had an external member and they choose me. So I was extremely happy. I think I joined the Translation Bureau at an extremely interesting time. And I don't know if you remember, but the mandate was bringing back the quality at the center of the translation process. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better time. And, and, and I have to say that doesn't mind, that doesn't mean that we're just saying that neural translation, machine translation doesn't exist. That's not what we were saying. All we were saying that we recognize the value of human in the translation process to ensure that the output that we're producing for Canadian meets the quality of the Official Languages Act. So I was privileged, to be honest, to have led the Translation Bureau for two and a half years through that, that journey. Uh, so extremely happy of of uh, having been part of the Translation Bureau, this institution, I should say. Well, thank you, uh, Stefan. I do remember your first uh, uh, remarks uh, during the industry day when you first took on the job. And some of those words still ring in my mind, uh, how you moved from Halifax to Ottawa and you took on the job. And uh, I'll, rem I'll remember that. I don't take a lot of written notes, but I've got a vivid memory of everything I see and I hear. So I'll remember that speech forever. Thank you, Stefan. I really appreciate it. And it's very interesting, like normal process, you know, like normal hiring process, federal government go through for those individuals who are joining us, you know, government go through a process like private sector process. You know, you, you apply for a job and it doesn't matter if it's CEO, or whatever the position is, you still have a process to go through. Thanks for highlighting that. That's very, that's very interesting. Madame Lucy, um, from your perspective, how did it all started for you, Madame Segan? Merci beaucoup, Robin, et vraiment un plaisir d'être ici avec les collègues, un privilège, en fait. Um, so I, I had the pleasure and privilege of working under the leadership of Donna and then under the leadership of Stéphane. So I, before becoming the CEO of the Translation Bureau, I had had uh, an opportunity to see different leaders in action, to see the Bureau evolving, you know, through different uh, eras. I have to say that uh, the Translation Bureau, I, I didn't know much about it before I came and I did come to the Translation Bureau similar to Stefan through a open and transparent process. You know, an institution, as Stefan used that name, that word to describe it, uh, it was created in 1934. So it predates all of us and it mm -hmm. will continue for a long, long time. It has a really important role and I had never really understood until I started to work there. Stefan and, and Donna spoke about the important role that it plays to ensure that Canadians have their you know, they have a constitutional, we have a constitutional obligation to deliver services in both official languages. You know, 
put that, take that into, try to take that in for two seconds. Uh, so this is why I think Canada is one of the leaders in terms of official languages and translation industry. I have to say that uh, I am also very impressed. I had not been aware about the important uh, collaboration that exists between our uh, organizations, not only public sector, but private sector. Uh, you spoke about the CLIA, the, Can the Canadian Language Industry Association, academia, and not-for-profit organizations. So for me, I basically was seeing what was happening, focusing on quality, making sure that the humans, we were accompanying the humans in the Translation Bureau, more than 1,200 strong leverage and adapt to these new technologies. And this was not new to the Translation Bureau. Uh, you know, the people there have been adapting to new technologies since I mentioned 1934. They went through internet and other things. So how do you accompany employees to make, make sure that they basically give the best of themselves? What is particular maybe about my tenure was the uh, introduction of the Indigenous Languages Act. So Canada, you know, supporting diversity and inclusion, more and more Canadians coming from different parts of the world. So basically introducing uh, and making sure that the Bureau was there and ready to support not only Canadians and parliamentarians, with services in both official languages, but indigenous languages, as well as foreign languages. So I think that that, again, privilege, and I've learned so much and continue to admire and, and really, I, I'm a great champion for the Translation Bureau will, will remain. And I have the fortune now of working in the same organization, PSPC with Dominique, and I see the great things that Dominique is doing. So uh, Dominique, you can count on my support for the future. Uh, maybe I'll stop here, uh, Robin, turn it back to you. Thank you so much, uh, Lucy. A great brief on how it started for, for you in, in the in the organization, in the institution, as 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 Stefani. And, and it's truly an institution. I mean, for the for us Canadians, we look at the Translation Bureau as an institution. As you mentioned, 1939, you know, predates all of us, and it will continue in the future. And I, and I love that comment that you that you put out there. It will continue in the future forever, yeah. uh, because that's who we are as a society. That's who we mm -hmm. are as it's in our DNA as as a country. Uh, and it's embedded into our culture now. So it's not one of those adjacent services that comes and goes. It's part of who we are, part of our identity. Uh, languages are part of our identity. The language, the Bureau has been there for this 1939 supporting that. So great, great highlights there. I really appreciate that. And, you know, having worked with you and, and Stefan and, and Donna in the past, I'm really honored to have the, have the opportunity to work with you on variety of capacity on being the president of Canadian Language Industry Association, being you know, on the private sector side and also involved in driving that conversation in the country forward regarding languages. It's a great honor to be first being with you today, but worked with you over your tenure when you were uh, CEOs. Now, moving on to Dominique and Dominique and I, you know, we've connected, we've talked over time, but I never really gotten the real story how he started with the Bureau. I can't wait to hear it. I'm very interested in hearing his side of the story. Go ahead, Dominique, the floor is yours. Robin, premièrement, merci beaucoup de nous avoir invité. Thanks for also your leadership in organizing this uh, podcast today. It's really appreciated. And uh, I have to say also, it's a humbling experience to be here today with my predecessor. You know, and today I'm celebrating 25 years with the federal uh, government. So it's a big day for me and time flies. But I have to say that throughout my career, I heard a lot of good things about the Translation Bureau. 
So when I got approached, I was previously ADM, Innovation and Business Transformation with Fisheries in Canada and the Canadian Coast Guard. I heard about this position. And then I gave a phone call to Stefan and Lucy. And they told me, Dominic, this is the coolest job I ever had at the public service. Uh, so they did a very good sales pitch. And I have to say that since I've started my role in, in January, it's truly been a privilege. And I don't want to correct you, but it's going to be, it was founded in 1934. So we're going to be celebrating our 90th anniversary next next year so but i have to say amazing people and when we see also that the transition bureau is is a family it's truly his and people are so dedicated to what they do so it's again an honor and a privilege to basically be the ceo of this organization well thank you uh, dominique uh, for uh, for this brief and thanks for the uh, highlights i really appreciate it I always love talking to you, working with you, and uh, communicating with the team on your side as well. It's, it's a privilege to be working together, not just from a, I feel it, like you can truly feel that the Bureau is a family. But I also, you know, like to highlight that I do have the feeling, maybe some of my colleagues in the industry have less of a, uh, less of a perception of this, but, I, but I'm close to you guys, and I know for, for firsthand that I truly feel that there is a language family developing around the Bureau not just internally, but externally as well. So but by the private sector and, you know, uh, Lucy mentioned academia, mentioned industry and, and others. So that continue, and, this, and today's podcast is actually part of that, is continuing, continuing the contribution to increase dialogue regarding languages in, in Canada. And as, as we evolve on a variety of sectors, policy, technology, uh, needs, you know, things are changing. And as we evolve and develop together, I think, this is very, very important to continue the dialogue. I would like to move on, if you don't mind, to the next. So now that you became a CEO, and I'll start with Donna, I guess. I, Donna, now that you became a CEO, uh, you know, what are the, from your perspective during your tenure, like what are the major highlights? If you were to say, you know, I've got, you know, a few items that really sticks in my mind in terms of accomplishments or in terms of challenges that you overcame, what are the highlights during your tenors? Well, thank you for that question. And so, and, and I thank my colleagues because certainly the inspiration that they, they continue to share is, is important. And so for me, one of the aspects very early on that I saw the strength in the Translation Bureau was developing good quality lexicons and going into areas where very, very few organizations were developing quality, um, les lexiques avec de, de bonne qualité. So thinking about subject matters early on, the whole issue of LGBTQ and and new terminology. And one of the things that impressed me was the fact that it wasn't just insular. The Translation Bureau has networks internationally and the research and the amount of attention and care to very specialized language and developing those lexicons was really, really very important. And on that whole issue of LGBTQ, I've received emails from parents and from families all across the world saying, you finally allowed us to understand the technology and how to express ourselves in both languages. So that was really incredible. Little known, but a very, very powerful asset that the Translation Bureau has is sign language interpretation. 
And so what's near and dear and part of my DNA is always connecting Canadians and connecting Canadians regardless of physical or, or, or any capabilities is really important. And the depth and the understanding that our language interpreters had in terms of doing sign language was incredible. And it became part of a government norm. We now take it for granted when we see press conferences and newscasts and those sorts of things. But really, the Translation Bureau was a pioneer in those days. And I would say one of my biggest lessons learned was understanding the pace of change and and how we use technology. So a little bit of an elephant in the room. One of the areas that I thought was, maybe it was ahead of its time, but I was a strong believer that if we put the quality of the Translation Bureau onto desktops in terms of a Government of Canada approved machine translation, that that would instill the instant understanding of what quality means and allowing public servants to maybe do a little bit more in both official languages. I think we were a little ahead of our time in terms of of, of not necessarily maybe preparing our workforce or, or our public service clients. We know that everyone now understands the power of machine translation, but I think at the time we went a little too fast. The intentions were there, but I'm glad that we took a little bit of time to reflect and to talk about the values and ethics. And I really like the fact that when Stefan took over, it was that right balance balance of what is quality, what is what is the importance of, of, of quality, and how do we give people the confidence maybe to try and communicate in both official languages. So for me, it was an honor. It was a privilege. I learned a great deal, and those values stay with me today in the current work that I do. So thank you no, for that opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Donna, just to, to elaborate a little bit, do you remember what year the, the technology change that you introduced happened? It was 2011 or 2012. Uh, it was it was probably 2012. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think it was in that. I started in 2011, so I think it was very er- shortly thereafter when I realized that. And look, there's nothing wrong with using Google Translate. We just realized that there were some documents that the government of Canada had, and people were putting some of those documents into Google Translate. And for me, it was a security issue. It was a quality issue. And maybe it was it was ahead of its time. However, the intent and the desire was really to, to instill the responsibility in public servants, knowing that quality comes from the Translation Bureau. Absolutely. No, thanks for that insight. I really appreciate it. And to be honest with you, I remember, I remember the whole thing that happened. Obviously, I've been around a while, so I've heard the conversation. I've seen what happened, but it's the first time I'm talking to you about this one, and I'm happy that you brought it up. So, you know, it's, it's something we learn from. It's something we, and it, it happens everywhere, by the way. It's not specific to the Translation Bureau. You know, people around the room can, and can, can attest, including myself, when you introduce a change too early, adoption becomes a problem, and that's typical exactly. in any, any change. Um, but being a pioneer, being a visionary to see this, it's pretty impressive in 2011, 2012. So congratulations on trying it, even though, you know, you set the stage basically to what happened next. Now we're going to hear from Stefan and the rest of the team on, 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 the, on, on that topic. So thanks for sharing this. I really Thank appreciate you. it, Donna. Thank you. Stefan, the same question goes to you. What's the challenges and the learning experience that you came up with? 
I have to say, and I'll go back a little bit to Donna. Yes, she was maybe ahead of her time, but, you know, neural translation, cell phone, and I don't know, you can see my cell phone here, <laughs> bank teller, they all came at a point and everybody said, no, that won't work. No. And then there was resistance. And all of a sudden, it just exploded. The usage, who goes to a bank today and talk to a real teller? Maybe 2% of the population, maybe 1% of the population. Who doesn't have a cell phone? I think there's more cell phone than there's habitant in Canada. Uh, so probably everybody has one or two or one and a half cell phone. So I think neural translation is the same thing. I think what Donna did as a, as a precursor or, or you know, leading, uh, we stepped back a little bit during my time. And, and to me, it's, it's uh, and I, I agree with everything Dina, uh, Donna said about the, uh, the interpretation, all of that was quite at the center of my time when I was at the Translation Bureau. But from a translation perspective, I think bringing it back to the basics, and that, that doesn't mean a pen and paper and translating like this, but bringing it back to the basic that translation is a lot more than, you know, the process of converting word from one language to the other. It's ensuring that the content, the meaning, and all of that is the same as the original document. And there is still not an AI solution that can do that. So it shows that as a client, and, and for me, that's what I've learned at the Translation Bureau. For me, was was, I mean, at the center of the direction we took, but also how, and that is valuable for also for industry, is you need, as a translator or as an organization, you need to understand your client. Because if I receive a text and I'm a client of the Bureau when I was at Real Property, I'm still a client now where I'm at. And if I receive a text that's been through AI automated translation and sent back to me, what's the value of that? The value of the translator that they know my business, they understand what I want to say. And I think the best way of accomplishing that and guaranteeing that translators are here today and in the future is getting almost being embedded into the client's business and understanding it. And that's what we were trying to do. And we were trying to push during my tenure at the Translation Bureau. Does that mean that there's no efficiency to be gained? No, there's a lot of efficiency to be gained. But I feel a lot more comfortable when the tool available, be Google Translate, DeepL, or any other tool that they have, is used by professional translator when the product come back to me. Now I know, and if they understand my business, I know that the product I'm going to get is going to be perfect or as close to perfection as it can be. Absolutely. And uh, you bring up a very good uh, point, uh, Stefan. I've written a blog on this, uh, I don't know, three years ago now. And when machine translation is starting to become fashionable, I would say, for, you know, the, the and what I mean by that, the usage of machine translation starts to accelerate. <clears throat> I wrote a blog on, you know, we're going to be living in a hybrid world, human and machine, for a long time. Because the thought process that says, you know, machine will replace a human, you know, the, you know, depends on the context when people use this. And, you know, you can really detail it down and say, yeah, for certain tasks, maybe. But we will always need that hybrid environment where 
either the human is training the machine or governing the machine or making sure that the output, as you mentioned, uh, Stefan, the output is trustworthy. So, you know, and I know when you, during your tenure, you really focused, and I, you know, having had this conversation with you before, you really focused on the outcome. The outcome was very important to, to you during your tenure in terms of, and, and it's not changed. I mean, the outcome is, has been, and was always the, the Bureau's intent. You know, what is the outcome for our, uh, for quality, for the users, for the customers that the Bureau serves? What is the quality outcome? So, no, that's, uh, that's, it hits home to me that whole hybrid model that we are uh, living now. And it, I don't think it will change. Yeah, the percentage may change to what degree you're using human, but you'll always need the experts. And, in, 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 you know, we've talked, we'll talk about that during our, during our next, our next question. One of the biggest thing in Canada and around the world is the how many translators are entering the profession and what is the percentage of content is growing. You know, the content is growing on a year to year basis. So basically, if you were to match that with human, then you need to graduate more people coming out of universities doing translation services. So if you don't mind, we'll move on to the to Lucy on, on, on this on this topic. Learning and challenges, Lucy, from your perspective, and I know I've worked with you very closely during the beginning of your tenure, and as you progressed, and as we as we moved on, I guess there was one big challenge, and I'm sure you're going to address it. Uh, I'll leave it with you for now. So, no, I'm curious. I hope I picked the right one, Robin. <laughs> yes, we've I'll, been I'll through. Just I'll make it easy for you. <laughs> so you might, but there are a couple of things and I want to uh, compliment what uh, Donna and Stefan and not repeat some of the stuff that they said, but I think for me, when I became the, the CEO, a pandemic, you know, the world basically COVID-19 hit us, hit us hard. I'd say one thing about the Translation Bureau is we were super well positioned because most, a big percentage of, of people already worked in a remote setting. We were organized to re work remote, even our management models. Uh, we had uh, implemented a model and this uh, predates my arrival, but you know, under Donna and Stefan's leadership, we had already implemented a, a model where your manager might've been in another region. So we had a way of managing folks uh, in a respectful and fair way, uh, way before the pandemic hit. So remote working for us was something that became was not a, a big issue but I think that we I have to talk about the health and safety issues that came with interpret in particular interpretation Stefan had to deal with a bit of that and it is still I think Dominic might speak to that but that is one what we're basically I muted myself. Sorry about that. When when people basically moved to remote we weren't offering services in person or very much less. Uh, so we had to basically adapt to protect, well, to protect the health and safety of our employees, in particular interpreters, but also to maintain the high quality services. So a lot, lot of learning there. And to be honest, like still a lot of work to do, uh, a, a lot of learnings through that. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to terminologists. Uh, I think we have and it's a, another very little known, but we're so fortunate at the Translation Bureau to have a team of terminologists. Uh, uh, Donna did mention some of the work on lexicons, but in the in the in yeah, I think Translation Bureau should get a lot more credit and visibility around the support for inclusion and diversity, in particular, developing uh, lexicons on sexual diversity and uh, gender neutrality. How do you? talk these days without basically um, uh, offending people. Um, so I think that the role of terminologists is key. 
Uh, they also are key to supporting, as Stefan was saying, uh, departments, clients, whether they be in government departments or in parliament, uh, using words that matter, that make sense to them, but also new emerging words. Like there's all this new terminology that came with the pandemic. Uh, we had our terminologists at the ready, developing terms that had equal uh, meaning en anglais et en français, meaning the Official Languages Act. And linguistic, the linguistic portal, I think the language portal of Canada, sorry, what, what am I saying? Le Portail Linguistics Canada, still an ambassador. Like those, this is a tool that provides free resources to all Canadians from all walks of life, teachers, people that want to learn a second language, even Indigenous languages. There is so much richness. And one of my learnings was basically trying to represent Uh, and encourage people to represent like all of the important and vital things and services that the Translation Bureau s develops and promotes world respected, world-class professionals that work at the Translation Bureau. So it was certainly a privilege. I will end by saying one of the most rewarding, so many, so many things that the Bureau has done and accomplished, but I was there when the Pope visited Canada to deliver his apologies to Indigenous populations. And it was really humbling, actually, like very emotional for me to witness uh, these uh, apolo the apologies being simultaneously interpreted in official languages, some foreign languages, but, but most importantly, over 12 Indigenous languages and dialects. To see Indigenous peoples uh, going through and, and hearing from the Pope in their language was probably one of the most rewarding things. And it was quite an exercise and effort you can imagine behind the scenes. Not only do we have great language experts at the Bureau, but we have to give a huge shout out to the administrative support, the coordinators and all the partners within Translation Bureau, but across the federal system to make this kind of uh, event happen. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, thank you, Lucy. You highlighted a very extraordinary events that happened during your tenors, the Pope's visit, the moving to Indigenous, now in covering Indigenous language interpretation and translation in general. And I recall that when we entered into the COVID mandate or whatever you want to call it, there was a, you know, part of the effort for the Canadian government is to communicate, you know, to the Canadian public. And there was a huge spike in the communication con uh, volume, if you will. And this is where we've worked, you and I, tirelessly. We were meeting on a weekly basis yeah. uh, with the team, obviously, not just uh, me and you, to work on coordinating our effort, industry and bureau, to support the overall effort for the government and how we communicate to our public, basically. And, and that, was, that was a lasting experience on how close we became in working together uh, as, as a private sector industry and a public sector industry. Oh, Robin, I'm so happy you're highlighting that because we would have never been able to communicate in all the languages simultaneously to Canadians. So Canadians understood what was happening. This was basic health and safety information in dozens of languages without the help of the private sector. Uh, again, great collaboration there. And it must, it, I know it's it's been enduring and it is continuing, but the federal government, the Translation Bureau, absolutely relies and has relied and will continue to rely on the uh, the Canadian language uh, industry to be able to deliver on its mandate. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate your insights to uh, to that. Uh, Dominique, uh, from your perspective, what do you, what's your, what are your thoughts? 
for me, it's been only 10 months into the job. So I don't have a long list of accomplishments. Uh, but what I want to do is to continue to build on the uh, the solid foundation that have been uh, established by my predecessor. And they did mention a few pillars. Uh, first, technology moving faster than ever. And I think client expectations are even greater. They do expect efficiencies. They hear about ChatGPT. They start asking questions about NMT. They start equipping them themselves. They want to do it. So we need to do some awareness. We need to put the human at the core of the business, like Stefan did mention, and also explain why it is so and why it is important. So that AI will not replace translator. No profession is evolving, it's changing, but human remain at the core of the business. And this is so key. We spoke about NGIS languages. This is great what have been accomplished. And I see much more with the current reconciliation agenda that we have. You know, the ability to communicate with each other, whatever the dialect in just language that we speak is so important. And translation, interpretation are key to that. So this is something that, you know, we could really leverage for the Translation Bureau, become a center of expertise for translation and interpretation of indigenous languages. So I think there's huge potential. Lucy, Stefan, Donna already started in that line. And this is something that I expect to, to grow. A lot of time also when I started my role has been spent on health and safety of interpreters. You know, a lot of progress has been made over the last few years. A lot has been done also over the last six months. More needs to be done again. This is a new science. We need new research needs to be conducted. We did retain expert audiologists, the NRC, to make sure that we can provide the safest condition to our interpreters. So this remain, I would say, one of the top priorities. And I've been exposed, Robin, to the, the industry, to university. And something that I would like to do is also how we can strengthen the ecosystem of the language profession. And I did realize, you know, that uh, the Transition Bureau is, is at the core of it. And we interact with the private industry. We interact with the university. So how can we have more interaction? How can we maybe shape the future together? So this is also something of, of great interest for me. That'll be interesting, actually, uh, to continue the dialogue with the industry. And that's an interesting topic that we should take on together as a Canadian Language Industry Association and the Bureau and the variety of associations, not just restricted to one association, because we need to wrap our arms around, I believe, we need to wrap, wrap, our, wrap our arms around how do we take the, the, all the changes that are happening around us on the technology side, on the demand side, on the content variation side, and apply that into the academia world and so that we can either a attract more translators to get into the profession and i don't know if the word translator becomes more than just a translator here maybe a technologist slash translator in this case uh, but at the same time we need to empower um, a we need to encourage people to get into the profession and b we need to change i think academia needs to modify the way uh, we are uh, conducting these curriculums and the way we are graduating these individuals to meet the new demand. There's nothing wrong with where we are, but we need to evolve and get to uh, the uh, where the world is heading today. And I know uh, academia, in some places, they move and they flex fast with the changes that are happening in the industry. In some areas, we need to prattle on and work with the individuals in the various associations in the industry to move that along a little faster. As, as, as we all alluded to, the world is moving fast in our world, in the industry, especially on the technology side. So, and the content, and this is what keeps me up at night, is the amount of content being created 
is because we've put the tools out there, generative AI, et cetera, people are creating more content by the minute, more than what we created last year. This is incredible. And this content needs to be translated. So we need to figure out it's a combination of both technology and human. And those needs to collaborate very, very strongly together. I look forward to working with you, Dominique, on those variety of things as you continue your tenure as a CEO of the uh, Translation Bureau. Happy to continue dialoguing with you and your team on how do we move this forward in a variety of capacity in my uh, position as a president of the Canadian Language Industry Association and as a private sector language industry association professional at the same time. So thank you for your insight. I really appreciate it, Dominique. Thank you, and we'll surely do. And so on the next topic I'd like to move to is policy. How, if, you, if, you, if we can start with, you know, whoever wants to take this on, and I guess we'll move, we'll move on to the next panelist. Who wants to take this on? I guess from your perspective, policy has changed, question mark. And if it did, you know, how did you influence it? Were you played a role in it? Did it come from the outside of the bureau and you had to apply it? Can you walk through how policy modification changes happened, if any, in your tenor? I can jump in, Robin. I can start or unless, Stefan, if you want to take a first crack at it. Okay, so okay. In terms of the bureau, so we're we're not a policy maker. So you know, we're we're basically provide services to federal department. This is not to say that we don't play a role in terms of our influence and shaping up the the role and also implementing the policy. I have to say one of the initiatives that is really changing the landscape is the modernization of Official Language Act. We're seeing an increase in some areas, for example, legal translation. And now all the, the decisions that are precedent setting has to be translated. So this is also creating a boom for legal translation. It's really super interesting. Also, you know, there's also a desire to really improve basically everything that is dealing with official languages, be it in federal institution, federally also regulated corporations. So this is also creating an additional demand for linguistic services for translation. So, and I know that we, Donna and Lucy spoke about uh, inclusive writing. This is also an area where the Translation Bureau has been playing a key role in terms of uh, you know, bringing up new ideas and bringing also its, the expertise of its staff for that. And I could add to that, if, if that's okay with you, Robin, while I was at the Translation Bureau in, in 2019, I, got, I, I believe we got recognition from the Senate committee that the Translation Bureau is more than a supplier to the government of Canada. According to their report, they thought it should be mandatory. I don't think it translates all the way to C-13 that Dominic was talking about, but C-13 still has more weight more there's even a pecuniary uh amount i don't know how to say it in english but there's even you know pecuniary you know fine for departments that do not respect the official languages act so a position i believe that it back then in 2019 it positioned the, the translation bureau well to be an actor in the implementation of C-13, as uh, Dominic was saying. I also think that we've strengthened the industry with a lot more partnership with the governments, with university and association back in those days. We really reopened 
with the quality at the center of the translation process, we reopen those communication and try to bring more collaboration between uh, industry and the Bureau itself, which also has an influence on the implementation of the official, the, the amended or the amended official languages act. Anybody would like to add anything to Stefan and Dominique's comments on the topic of policies? Maybe, maybe I'll jump in, Robin, unless I see Danya, you're unmuted. Did you want to jump in? No, you go first and I'll jump in with a small uh, related comment. Okay. Uh, thank you. So maybe uh, complementary other uh, policy areas. I think uh, we mentioned sign languages. So the Canada Accessible Act that became that was enacted, I think, during my my tenure. But the Translation Bureau has always been a very active, very visible partner. Uh, Donna did mention that we're all proud. You know, we take for granted uh, the fact that we have we see sign language interpreters when our prime ministers, our senior leaders, um, you know, make press conferences, but at one point, Canada was the only G7 nation that did not have like a policy to make sure that that uh, happened. So I think that when the uh, Canada uh, Accessible Act became was enacted, uh, Translation Bureau was certainly consulted. And I do agree with Dominique, we are not a policymaking organization, but we we do, we have the responsibility, a uh, responsibility under the Public Services Procurement Act to deliver when and if clients request our services, well, in the area of in interpretation, sign language interpretation, we're also very important, an important player in the duty to accommodate. So when deaf or uh, people with uh, perceptual disabilities, employees of the government uh, have a need accommodation to be able to understand what's happening, uh, the Translation Bureau provides those services. So uh, I think that that is very key. And then I did mention the Indigenous Languages Act very quickly. Uh, while we did not have a policymaking role, we were very, very actively and consulted and involved during the creation or the uh, w- when the consultation periods were open with key partners within the federal public service, because ultimately the Translation Bureau is the entity that will help departments meet their obligations under that act. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy, for the comments. Appreciate it. Donna? I'll just build on that last piece. Lucy is always a great segue. So my role was not necessarily shaping the policy from the Official Languages Act, but insisting that the public service, that leadership was by, is bilingual. So that employees have have the right to be supervised in the language of their choice. I was chair at the time of the Association of Professional Executives in the Government of Canada, APEX, and I was very, very passionate about the fact that we have to have a vibrant bilingual public service and that official languages is key and Translation Bureau is, is a super enabler to allow leadership to continue to evolve and respectfully supervise and deliver their programs. Well, thank you for the addition there. That's very, very important as well. I, I, you know what? I can talk to you guys for a couple of days, but we only have one hour. And I still have a couple of more uh, topics I want to cover. And I'm just going through the topics that I still need to cover. And I'm thinking I only probably can fit one. So the only one left to be probably talk about is the vision for the future. And I know each of you in your own tenor, starting with Donna, had a vision. And Stefan had a vision and Lucy had a vision. And I'm sure Dominique talked a little bit about the vision for the future. Let's talk, let's start with Donna and start talking about you had a vision. I know you had some setback in terms of in terms of technology deployment. 
overall, what was the initial vision for you before any of this happened? And when, you know, at the end of the day, do you feel like you've accomplished 50%, 100%? You know, what was, how do you feel after this? So because every one of us takes on a job, they've got a, you know, an idea in their mind that they want to do. And halfway through, they do some assessment. And at the end, they do another assessment to see if we accomplish what we want to do. How about, how about we start with you, Donna? Well, Since thank you, you for that. I'll be really brief, but it's, it's about being adaptable. And looking into the future, I, I really, if I've left one one legacy, that that really is maybe the springboard that, you know, and how all of my colleagues have evolved it. Stefan took over the fact that he was looking at quality and that it, you can't have machines. You have to have the combination of the two. Um, Lucy saw in real time how important it was to be agile with a global pandemic. You can't sit and and think and resist change. And Dominic now has has such a huge springboard. We are collaborating in terms of the responsible use of AI and how we embed good quality translation. So I believe the the something that I'm most proud of and I've taken into every single position is the fact that we need it's our responsibility for Canadians to look ahead and to be able to leverage language to be inclusive. I now work in financial intelligence. I'm a chief compliance officer, and I I deal with Canadian businesses and in, in educating and ensuring they understand their obligations for the safety of Canadians. And that doesn't happen in one language. It happens in both official languages, and there's a global reach. And we take that global reach seriously, and we do it and are enabled by the Translation Bureau. So I think I'll leave it at that and I'll pass it over to my colleagues. Stefan, you want to take that on next? I will. Thank you, Donna. And I, and I think, I mean, you know, I'm every place I've been in my career set a vision and I've never been able to accomplish it all. I honestly, probably if I would have stayed there another 10 years, maybe, but I think, I think the quality was at the core of my mandate. And I think we did that. Uh, I think we've accomplished, I, I mean, not the perfect quality, but at least an understanding inside government of Canada that you can't give a, a legal document to a machine and be able to publish it the next day. Realizing also, I, I like the nimbleness, realizing also that the translation industry or the language industry has been one of the first hit by AI during that tenure. But it, why is it? It's because... Communication is so important to all society. It's kind of normal that people want to communicate with one another. So to me, I mean, bringing the quality, make everyone understand that the human is necessary, even with the best machine. I think it's it's what we were looking for to accomplish. And I think we have accomplished part of it. And my colleague have continued that after I left the Bureau. No, I appreciate your comments, Stefan, and having witnessed that firsthand, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the focus on quality is important, and you've demonstrated that during your tenure. And as uh, you know, Donna was mentioning, it's a springboard uh, to the future, and it continues on. So, you see, from your perspective, uh, the vision when you started and when you left the position, how do you compare the two? So, thank you very much for the question, and I, I will 
take it like the common theme here is making sure that quality remained at the center. And I, I mentioned Stefan was there for, you know, we were all here, former and current CEOs. I mentioned since 1934, I, I guess my, I'm in my head was, I want to leave the organization in a better shape, better shape than it was when I took it on. It was really difficult, especially taking on after Monsieur Derry, Madame Achamov. Like, I'm like, what the hell can I do uh, to improve this? But I think the key thing was quality, making sure that quality equals uh, compliance with the acts, official languages, accessible Canada, uh, indigenous languages, like promoting, revitalizing and preserving indigenous languages. So, so making sure that we keep quality at the center of the um, of our vision, but also so we did focus on sustainability for the future. Uh, although we are a federal government, Robin, you understand this and all my colleagues on this panel understand, we operate mostly on a cost recovery basis within the Translation Bureau. So finding ways uh, to figure out what is our value add, we're not competing with the private sector. What is the value add of the Translation Bureau? So, so that we can basically find a niche and figure out where we can together with the industry and other parts of the ecosystem, find a, a path for the way forward because that weighed very heavily on my shoulders. I don't want to be, I want to make sure that we're setting the, the, the organization for success for beyond, like way, way uh, far in the future. And that comes back to themes that uh, Dominique and Donna and Stefan spoke about, the future of work. This profession probably has been the most hard hit with the neural machine translation AI. I work in the domain of uh, accounting, treasury, banking. I was with the Banking uh, Association yesterday in Toronto. I think that that profession is going to be, and they are for like that's going to be hit hard. So I think the 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 lessons we learned that the the translation bureau. So basically retooling, retraining people so that they have value at our humans using their you know, intelligence and their judgment to do certain jobs that are key and letting the machine do stuff that is boring and that is routine. I think that that is something that I hope that the, the translation bureau and I see it today, actually. The output, as you said, Robin, were that volumes of words translated. When I was there, there were things like REMPL motions, the parliament, parliament, uh, was asking for more and more transparency and scrutiny uh, of its uh, federal organizations. Dominique is going through a lot of scrutiny and transparency as well. But what that means is good for business, good for the Translation Bureau, because it's just more words to translate. Actually, there are so many words to translate. Like mm -hmm. I am so optimistic for the future of the Translation Bureau will never be out of commission because there is just so much work to do. No, appreciate that. Thanks for the insight there, Lucy. I always love to hear from each individual how they got into something. What did they What did they think after, uh, especially in your position? And, and it's great to for you uh, to be sharing this. Dominique, I know uh, we talked a little bit about uh, that, and I know you're still in the middle of it. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, a lot of great things has been mentioned, and I think each CEO has been dealing with the challenge of their time. So it's really interesting. What I want to do is maybe picking up on what Lucia said and others is really to continue to set the stage for the long-term viability of the Translation Bureau. We're going to be celebrating our 90th anniversary next year. I want to make sure that in another year from now, people are going to be able to celebrate the Bureau. Uh, our employees are going to be proud and the work that the Bureau is doing is recognized. 
you know, I was visiting the uh, European Parliament in May, and the reputation of the bureau basically is everywhere across the world. So this is something that I, I want to continue to to build. One of the challenges I'm facing is that, uh, as you know, we're entering into an area of fiscal constraints where it's going to be, be a bit tighter for our clients. They're going to be looking at efficiencies. So how can we, can we, do we make sure that we remain relevant? We develop awareness with clients that want to equip themselves of NMT. And also a great gift would be to make sure that we look at the future of this profession. And if one of my daughter were to ask me, well, no, Dominique, I want to become a translator. I would like to be able to tell her, well, there's, there's a future. There's a bright future in this profession. Yes, it's changing, uh, but the skill sets, you know, the analytical uh, capacities that you have, competencies that you have, this is what we're going to be relying on. And there's a really a huge future in that profession. So, so again, thanks for organizing this, Robin. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your insights, uh, Dominique. Thank you for all your insights. I really appreciate you sharing your time with me this morning. And thanks for participating in this conversation. It's an honor and privilege for me to be talking to, you know, you know, institution, institutions such as Transition Bureau and such as yourselves. I really appreciate you having you on, on, the, podca- on the podcast this morning. I, with this, I will bring this to an end, and I really appreciate it. Any last comment from anybody before we terminate? Just to thank you, Robin, for your leadership and your passion. Absolutely. Thank you, thank Robin. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, thank you, Dominique, and thank you, uh, Lucy. And I want to thank our audience who has joined us uh, this morning live on uh, LinkedIn and YouTube. Thank you for your participation. Hopefully, uh, this conversation was a uh, one that you'll remember. I know I will remember this. It's a unique conversation, never been had in Canada before, and I'm proud to be uh, the one who brought it together, A, and I'm proud to have you all with me listening in and joining in on the conversation. The entire purpose of all of our language-related conversation is to continue driving connectivity between demographics, between languages, between individuals, and regardless of who they are, what they are, and what they do, people need to understand each other, and we feel this industry is the bridge between a variety of topics of communication. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. And for the uh, people who missed the live broadcast, please uh, stay tuned. Uh, We are going to uh, publish this video on the Localization Fireside Chat over the next few days. Keep an eye on this one. There'll be more to come on this particular conversation. Thanks for our panelists. You're generous with your time. I really appreciate it and wish you lots of success and more dialogue in the future. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci. Thanks for tuning in to the Localization Fireside Chat. Take the warmth of knowledge and renewed cultural passion with you. Keep exploring, stay curious, and until next time, this is Robin Ayou. Keep those global conversations alive.